<laughs> Welcome to Eek Cinema Podcast, the spookiest podcast you will ever listen to this week. <laughs> and happy Halloween to our listeners. My name is Everett Spookbly. <laughs> I, I, I could not think of a pun for the life of me. Uh, and I'm joined with my friends, or my <laughs> fiends, <laughs> Yes, Matt. <laughs> you can say hi. <laughs> oh, I was like, I'm just going to let you roll. <laughs> Hello. And Brandon. Brandon. Hello. We're here to talk about uh, the titular movie, because uh, we're doing our 80s icons this October season. Is it going to keep going? Yes, it, it will. Is okay. it too loud? Yes. Uh, let me turn down <laughs> the background. How's that? How's that? Is that spooky enough for you? That's, that's, that's pretty spooky. Spooky. It's almost like whenever... Uh, you find out Bruce Willis is dead in Sixth Sense. Oh, God. Well, uh, <laughs> so there are major spoilers in this episode <laughs> for the Sixth Sense, <laughs> as well as uh, uh, probably, uh, at the very least, Halloween and Halloween. <laughs> but and Halloween. Yeah, we might spoil Halloween. And we um, also might spoil And probably Halloween 2 and Halloween 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, just uh, just beware of any Halloween spoilers in this episode. Beware. Beware. Beware of the Halloween spoilers. We're going to have a lot of fun. We finally got to the end of our series. Are uh, you okay? I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm doing okay. Uh, so I've been doing my 31 days of, of uh, Halloween movies. I've lost sleep worrying about you, stressing <laughs> that I have, like... Push too far this month. We re- we just recorded this past Sunday our last episode, um, and right, was it Sunday? Saturday. 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 Uh, right after I got off of this, off of the episode, and immediately jumped into a movie. The like, Shining. The Shining. The Shining. Stanley Kubrick's The Shining. Should I watch that the next day at a party? Adapted cool. from yeah. uh, the classic. Stephen King Stephen book, King but novel. not the Stephen King adaptation. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> he made it his own. <laughs> he did. Yeah, you know that, right? Yeah. Okay. I know. And uh, this was my first time ever seeing this movie, and right. I absolutely loved it. All right. It's my second Kubrick movie to see all the way through because I've tried to get through Clockwork Orange before, never have. Uh, and then just a few months ago, watched 2001 in IMAX and loved that one. Mm-hmm. Love The Shining, but uh, man, it was. It was. It was a. Whew, that's an intense movie. It is intense. I have a love-hate relationship with that movie. Like, mm-hmm. I've been the right mood and mindset for that film, um, and I enjoyed it for the longest time. Just as, and I still do, just as a film. But after reading the book, and then, um, and then watching the Stephen King adaptation, like there are things in that version that I prefer to the Kubrick version. Kubrick definitely made it his own film. Mm-hmm. Um, and his own thing, and Jack Nicholson is a force to be reckoned with in that film. Like he, seriously, I've seen him in three movies this month, and every one, he just has like the most amazing performance in it. 
Where were we the other two? <coughs> Little Shop of Horrors. Oh, that's right. He which he's original. pretty much playing the Joker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and then in um, uh, the Raven. Ah, so you haven't watched oh, his Wolfman movie. Oh, shit, he is in that. Which he, he's pretty much just a straight man most of the time, but he has one scene where he's absolutely nuts. <laughs> I, f- I forgot he was in that. Mm-hmm. Yep. But uh, he was terrifying in The Shining. I, I walked out. Uh, our friend of the show, Kyle Melton, was in town. He wasn't He wasn't able to be on the podcast, but he showed up uh, right after, during The Shining, and afterwards he asked me how I thought, how I, how I liked it, and I said it was good, but I don't think I'm going to be able to sleep without seeing Jack Nicholson's face every time I close my eyes. <laughs> yeah. Hey, but either way, loved the movie. It was All fun. Right. Uh, and right after I, uh, me and Kyle, why he was over here at my place is because we went to go see Rocky Horror Picture Show right after. Why didn't you tell me you are doing that? We they did, did, Matt. They did. did you? Yeah, you they, yeah, they did. read the message. Yeah, uh, you we completely have a group skimmed message. Over it. And, I totally and must Kyle, have. The first message that day, Kyle said, hey, guys, um, do you all want to go see Rocky Horror Picture And not even tonight? that day. It was the night before, too. Was it the night before? It was oh, the okay. night, yeah. Well, it was probably like in the a.m. because uh, he's, yeah, like, he's a night worker. It was like 12 a.m. Yeah. Night ale. Um, and so, yeah, when I woke up, I see that, and I'm like, uh, you know what? I'm pretty busy today. I got a podcast. I'm watching The Shining with a friend. But maybe I can go. And then we got on this whole thing. And I several down. messages later, uh, Kyle says, Matt, you should go too. And I said, yeah, or you're not a real fan. And then you said, you know what? I have a love-hate relationship with The Shining. So, And I said, somebody didn't read the whole message. No, I looked. I, I, I don't remember if I woke up or what. I looked down and there was like, it was like 22 notifications and I was just like and I just kind of scrolled through and tried to and got the gi- I thought I got the gist of everything <laughs> totally didn't um, Rocky Horror is one of my all time favorite things I, I did the stuff at the PAC it was awesome and uh, I'll be I will be at Circle Theater on New Year's Eve this year watching it oh that's an interesting date is that yeah do they, don't they, they usually do it in October every, every New Year's Eve oh they do it New Year's Eve okay yeah, yeah. okay and they um, have goodie bags and everything else to throw out at you so you can I've seen this movie once before when I was in high school. You know, it's all it's all the buzz. It's like one of the most, you know, renowned musicals of all time. Uh-huh. Um, and so I watched it in high school and hated it. Yeah, I remember you telling me that. I hated it. Uh, there are three music musicals I've watched that are renowned that I've hated. The Rocky Horror Picture is one. Uh, the other is Rent. D- mm. Did not... Did not just didn't enjoy it i did not understand what the buzz was yeah um and then uh the other i'm not sure this is like i think it's more of a cult classic uh rather than it's actually like critically acclaimed is the beatles uh oh yeah across the universe across the universe hated that one (laughs) i i you know i liked that one but i don't like the beatles so i Mm. i liked the reworked versions of a lot of like the opposite like i'm like "Eh, i i I like the beatles they're they're fine i can appreciate them but then the the musical itself i'm like it made me like like bono less and i i like you too a lot that movie got ruined the scene just felt so uh like he was going backwards in time Mm. with his career Interesting. When that movie came out on DVD, my sister like had it on repeat, and anytime I was in the living room, it was always fucking playing, and I was just like, "Can you not pick a new fucking movie?" <laughs> but you know what? The scene, the scene with uh, Mr. Kite was pretty fantastic. Maybe I'll revisit it someday because after watching Rocky Horror Picture in theaters this past Sunday or Saturday, 
I loved it. It was uh, what Kyle asked was talking to me about it, and I told him after he said, so did you change your mind? I said, the first time I saw it, I came away with thinking that was just too weird. The second time, uh, I came away saying it was outrageous in a great way. Awesome. Did you know there's a sequel? Nope. I didn't know that either. A lot of people don't. It's called Shock Treatment. And it follows it follows Brad and Janet, and the, uh, the crimologist who's the narrator in Rocky Horror. <laughs> it's I it's an know. interesting idea, and it's got Jessica Harper who is in Suspiria, and is in Phantom of the Paradise. Mm-hmm. So I enjoy it for that. It's not it's not great by any stretch, but it does have a few. It does have like two songs in it that I feel stand up to the Rocky Horror legacy. Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm excited to see it again in the future, like in an, for another October and someday. I haven't watched the remake they did, the TV oh, remake. Oh, on yeah. Fox. Yeah. yeah, no, I haven't watched that. I don't think I ever will. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, but it was it was like a I have more. It was easier to understand now. It wasn't so weird to me. Like I have more knowledge about like the '50s cult uh, midnight showings mm-hmm. and stuff like that, so I understand its its purpose. Now. Yeah. Um, I'll explain the rest after I hear from you guys, or uh, I'll release the rest of my. I just watched more of the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Oh yeah, any better? I I love it. Mm. I I love it. I'm yeah. I I think it is the best version that they could have ever brought to the screen with that character because they're never going to be able to get away with like a hardcore horror film. But it's. It's good. I highly recommend it if you are if you are curious. I've got two more to go before I'm done. You know, there's a video. I don't know who put it out. It's in my tabs open on my phone, and I didn't get to watch it yet. But it's uh, videos of the sitcom cast reacting to scenes from it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I saw that. I need to watch it. And I watched... So there's a movie coming out. It came out today, actually. You, know, you can go and buy it. Uh, called Mandy with mm-hmm. Nicolas Cage. Oh yeah, Neil, get that. Directed by uh, Panos Cosmos, and his first film is called Beyond the Black Rainbow, and I watched that. And Everett, you would probably hate it, mm-hmm. but it's like the it's like Fight Club meets 2001: A Space Odyssey, and throw in a little bit of. Uh, Oh, that was a child. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, can you please leave? We're recording a podcast right now. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, And then throw in, like, some kind of almost Terminator bits. It's weird, but Mm. it's good. It's it's completely horror and does a lot of the same kind of, like, what the fuck am I watching moments from 2001. Hmm. So. Interesting. It's it's good, but... it's only good if you like really weird abstract kind of things because it's not it does not feed you the plot necessarily. Uh, okay. And Brandon, all you've watched is Pinky the Brain, as you told us before the podcast. Oh my gosh! No, <laughs> I just I I. Uh, <laughs> it's only been two days. So. I, it has. So I, I only watched uh, Halloween and I watched the Rob Zombie remake just to do comparisons. If you guys wanted to do that, but if not, yes. it's cool. But yes. Um, which took me 15 minutes of me and the nice gentleman at Venice Stock to find it while he had to deal with a very odd family with a rabbit on the counter that was shitting on the counter the entire time. So thank you, Venice Stock employee, for being patient with me. 
and with that. Uh, it was a very weird night. Yeah, so the last... So tonight I'm probably going to either watch Evil Dead 2 or Ghostbusters 2, or if I can't, uh, or something shorter. Um, and then tomorrow I'll probably watch uh, It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown. You always do. Just always gotta, got you got to fit that in there for my 31 days. Um, but what I haven't mentioned yet, uh, Sunday I went to see A24's mid-90s. A24 is a great company. I'm pretty much going to see pretty much anything they throw out at the screen. Slice? Um, Are you going to watch Slice? I don't know. Maybe. I, I need to look it up. Almost. I w- yeah, I was, I was speaking in hyperbole there. Okay. But uh, speaking of A24. You watched Hereditary. I watched Hereditary last night. With uh, friends of the show, uh, Aaron and Seth. And uh, this movie is the scariest movie I've watched this month. This movie is possibly the scariest movie I've ever seen. (laughs) You posted something kind of along the lines like, I'm not going to be able to sleep tonight. And I wanted, I tried so hard to make it work to be able to watch Hereditary before this podcast mm-hmm. because it's on my list it's one of the ones I've been wanting to see I just haven't had the time and I finally just picked up a copy um, this movie uh, it's like you said I, I, I was afraid I was going to have trouble sleeping I fell asleep at 1.30 which my normal time is about 11.30 granted I was like keeping myself awake because I was like afraid to fall asleep It was, uh, and it's hard for me to sleep with the lights on which I left the lights on and I had Bob's Burgers on at the same time. Oh, man. So that I, bad. It was that bad for me. Uh, and I've talked about it in the past. I'm easily scared uh, with, like, lots of movies. Um, I'll list my three in a minute, the three scariest of this month that I've watched. Um, but this movie, it it had this uh, a similar effect that Mother did, did oh, in man. which watching Mother, uh, like, I, my hands were on my head the whole time almost, just, like, it, but that one was more so just stressful and anxiety mm-hmm. causing. Yes. Whereas with this one, pretty much the whole movie, my hands were on my head, whether rubbing my temples or pulling my hair or covering my mouth versus, except for one scene, the end of the movie where I pretty much had my dog Padme covering my face <laughs> because it, it got, oh it got God. that bad. And I gotta I, watch this. I haven't I seen it go, yet. I may have to watch this tonight. It is insane. It's like gut-wrenching and uh, Seth, Seth um, he, he, I don't think he's, he's, he's not as easily scared as me, but he's pretty scared and so afterwards he's like, hey, are you going to Taco Bell? And I was like, I was thinking about it, and he's like, "Okay." I was thinking about getting food, but I don't uh, want to. I don't want to drive alone. I was like, "Yeah, I don't want to drive alone either." So oh, man. all three of us went and grabbed food afterwards. <laughs> and Aaron's like, "I don't want to be left alone." <laughs> yeah. yeah um, uh, so that that was that was a not a. It's one of those movies that I've I have this like every about two years where there's something I know is gonna be probably too much for me, but I'm like, you know what? I'm older now. I'm probably it's probably not gonna be as bad as people say. And uh, then I regret it afterwards. What was it two years ago? Um, you know, I can't think of it. The last one I remember really affecting me was uh, The Visit. Mm. Mm, that was yeah. About, yeah, it was about four years ago. 
Anyway, um, so my top three. Top three scariest movies I've watched this month. Wait, one one minute. You watched one other thing you haven't talked about. You watched it. Oh yeah, I rewatched it. I forgot. But I want to hear about Aaron's reaction. Oh yeah, our friend of the show, Aaron Fulmer or Gleason now, formerly uh, known as Fulmer, uh, is formerly known as former. Fulmer. Former. She. she I don't know if she's <laughs> chlorophobic. She is. Because, I mean, isn't that like, isn't that where you have like actually reactions and breakdowns and stuff? It's more more kind of like anxi- super anxiety, panic okay. attack. She I was traumatized as a kid. She doesn't like yeah. clowns, and she yeah, that's right. She her she, fucked up yeah. story. She doesn't mm-hmm. like clowns, and I know she doesn't like demons either. And this is a demon. Clown. I think it, yeah, I think it was more. It was something like uh, where she didn't want to. The, she was willing to watch the movie. Like, okay. she presented it to me at one point. Like, oh, wow. tw- twice now. Uh, before, back in September, and then once again today. So I'm like, is that really chlorophobic? But either way, she's very afraid. She cried during the movie. Uh, not to where I could know. I sh- once She told me afterwards that she cried. But, in comparison, when I had Padme in front of my face doing hereditary, <laughs> I had tears in my eyes, <laughs> for oh, sure. Oh, man. Uh, Wait, I, which one? Did I you watch I the could... original? Or did you watch the new one? No, the new the one. The new, the new one. one. Okay. okay. Yeah. I wish I could get that scared about a movie again. Mm-hmm. Me too. For real. The The last one that got me was Black Coat's Daughter and that. Oh, like, yeah. I, I, had to, I left yeah, the I lights on I that night. I won't watch that one. No, don't. Sure. Like, I left the lights on that night. I could not do it. I like read like synopsis and stuff about it today just mm-hmm. just for fun just because I knew uh, the Hereditary and Black Coat Starter are both movies where I hear like strong like horror fans who watch horror movies all the time saying like it, it messed them up mm-hmm. and so I we, uh, definitely would not recommend it mm-hmm. um, she, 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 she seemed fine though afterwards but okay. Seth liked it a lot so he's ready for part two he says soon next year Right. That's not soon. Yeah. September of next year. September next year. Oh, it's I'm so like spoiled by these Marvel movies coming out three in one year. I have yes. to wait two years for a sequel. Yeah, that's ridiculous. You know, you know how long people have to wait for a sequel with this movie that we're talking about do today. You, do you know what uh, happened? No, no transition. Do you know what happened whenever they gave people the the horror movie every year, sometimes less than a year apart, was Saw. And they ran mm-hmm. that fucking train or Friday the, the 13th. I would well, say yeah, I would years say ago, but I'm I would talking say about more the most more recent man it was like like October would roll around you wouldn't hear anything about it and then boom you see a TV ad Saw 6. It's just like just oh. like that just a random dude. Yeah, it's Saw 6. Saw 6. <laughs> there will be blood. My top 3 horror movies this month that I've watched. All right. Uh or scariest. That's what I'm saying. Not my favorites. Scariest. One is hereditary, for sure. Uh, two, The Shining. Mm-hmm. And three, Halloween. Halloween, 1978. Nice. What's been the worst thing you've watched all? all? Hereditary. No, oh, no, you no, mean no, bad? No. I bad. don't know. I'd have to pull up my list and stuff, and I can't. Halloween, 1978. Step all over my Segway mat. How dare you? <laughs> That's what I do. <laughs> John Carpenter made for $300,000 and for the longest time until 1990 whenever Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles came out was considered the most successful independent film 
ever. That's awesome. Yeah. Held the record for well over 20 years. That's mm-hmm. very impressive. Super impressive because this movie affected me in a way that I didn't expect it to because it's an old movie and older movies traditionally don't hold their horror as well. Mm-hmm. But uh, throughout the movie, I was just so tense. Like it, it just. I I read your post and I was just which you said like it's the scariest thing you've ever seen or something like that. And they just build it so well. The <sighs> the tension. It's so well done. And we're going to talk about it today. That's my complaint about the new movie. It's, it doesn't feel... I feel, I feel tension in that movie, like, doing really? basically the opening scene and very few other times. Hmm. Yeah, we, we do have to talk about that. Let's talk about the original a little bit. Yeah. So, whenever John Carpenter finished the original Halloween, he showed it to the executives, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And Wait, were they not seeing dailies? This was sh- shot really short, right? 1978. But in a, in a short span? Yeah, three weeks. 21 okay. days? Yeah. You don't need dailies for a three-week movie. Uh, well, they weren't all that concerned because it was so so little money. They they didn't even really have anybody on set hmm. like they normally would. They The producer of the film was John Carpenter's girlfriend at the time, Deborah Hill. Mm. And she... This was her first producing job, and the studio just... Nobody took a woman as a producer seriously, so they just kind of like, we're just going to back off and watch her just fall on her face. Mm. It's kind of what they did. And I was like, they they ate their fucking words. But at first they didn't, because John Carpenter brought this film, the finished film, to them and played it for them without the music, and they said, John, that's worse than a TV movie. What? Yeah. Yeah. Because they the were like, music. There was. They were like, I don't get it. What is that? Like, I feel like I'm watching, uh, like a Disney, uh, a Disney quote horror film made mm. for TV. Like, they, yeah. And so, I told them they're like, you have to fix it. You have to find a way to make this, to make our money back. Mm-hmm. Um, so he booked a session at a studio in LA for three days. And banged out the score. And as you know, like that, that keeps distracting the fuck out of me. <laughs> like, oh, no, yeah. it's fine. Um, so Brandon, can you quiet your stomach? Down? I'm sorry. Yeah, it's yeah. actually like I looked over Brandon. <laughs> I'm so hungry like, right now. <laughs> um, but he banged out that score in three days, and it gave us like the most recognizable theme song of the horror icons. Yeah. And he went and showed that back to the same executives and they were like holy crap they didn't believe it was the same film they were like how much did you reshoot it's like nothing Hmm. just put music to it interesting I've watched a a side by side comparison of like a couple of the key scenes with the music coming in and then like without the music and it really does change the movie completely because at first like the the scene with Michael standing with the sheets Mm mm-hmm and you watch that with no music, it's it, it's laughable. Yeah, it's like, what the fuck is... Yeah. That? And there's like, is there two or three sweeps in this? Sweeps? This is this, tracks. There's, 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 there's not, it's not one theme, right? There's, there's a couple different... Uh, there's a few variations on the theme. 
Okay. It may, but it has like, like, there's, the there's, same, like the same like kind of notes, I guess. At yeah, one point. I same mean, key. Yeah. There's there's the well, the whole score is in the same key, mm-hmm. and that was how John kept it really simple. Mm-hmm. Um, kept it all in the same key, and he made uh, the Halloween theme. He made a Lori theme, and then everything else was variations of that, and the stinger sound, the da 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 sound. And that was it. It's a really super like I have the vinyl. Mondo just put out a fantastic. Oh yeah, it looks great. Vinyl and uh, I listened to it and like it is. It's so stupid simple, mm-hmm. but it's amazing and it works well and it goes back to his style. He's a very minimalist um, musician, but to great effect. Take a listen to Big Trouble in Little China or go listen to Prince of Darkness, things like that. Granted, he was with Alan Howarth, then who would later take on the scoring jobs of Halloween 4, 5, and 6. Um, but John, John would come up with most of the stuff. Um, and it's very simple. Like, I mean, oh, yeah. Big That's Trouble in Little China is one guitar riff, really, and then, like, some screaming synths on top and that's it. The thing is him pretty much just hitting one button and using the modulator. <laughs> so that was uh um that was Eno Makone. I can't I can't say his name, but mm-hmm. that was actually an Italian horror uh, really? composer and he also did the score for I believe um The Good Bad and the Ugly. Hmm. But John wanted well, the music's gone. <laughs> John wanted uh, he for the thing he wanted something simple. He wanted, but he wanted somebody else to do it. He wanted the flavor that um, Maca- whatever his name was brought, mm-hmm. and uh, ended up having to actually turn it around and say, "Listen, like I like what you've done, but it's not quite what I'm after." And so John went back and added a few things. The big slow one that you're talking about, the mm-hmm. main title theme, that was John. But most of the rest of the music was the other guy. Oh, interesting. But so. yeah, music plays a huge part here. Mm-hmm. And what, in the original, did mm-hmm. you feel like it just kept ratcheting that tension higher and higher and higher? Yeah, it felt like I was never... I, the, well, these scenes, and I listened to another podcast talk about this, these movies, and... What was it called? Most well, I don't want to say a name because they, <laughs> the, the, what they say, um, most of them f- called the original boring, and Ugh. I could not. Who the fuck understand did you listen that. to? They said, I need to write some mail. They said I'm sure it was like good in the back in the day, and I I, I can appreciate it like as a an influ- uh, in- influential piece of horror, but it just feels boring to me today. And I'm like, well, you must have had like a poor setup or something. Yeah, or, or, or the, maybe you or, were like too so, busy about your nachos. I felt like yeah. the whole thing, uh, they're talking about how like it does these long scenes of just nothing, like where uh, her friend is in the laundry room mm-hmm. and she's going back and forth. But I could just felt like it was so, it was setting it up. I had no idea what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And it, it just feels so intentional and. Uh, it was very intentional. God, yeah, because they're like, it just feels like he's just drawing it out to the ninety-minute mark. <laughs> but I'm like, no, no, it feels like he's he's showing that you never have any idea when he's gonna strike. Yeah, it's uh, it was just so stressful. Mm-hmm. And I, I I'd say it was great. I loved the movie. I actually bought it on 4K uh, before, and I'm excited to watch all the like behind the scenes and stuff. Having it. 
there's good stuff on there. I have the 35th anniversary Blu-ray, and I watched all that stuff before I came over. It's really good. I'm the I'm the total fucking nerd that has like the 15 disc crazy box set that Scream Factory put yeah. out with like the 120 page book with it, and I've watched every detail on that set. Like, I I love this series because it's so all over the place. I feel like it has mm-hmm. a great backstory to just about every entry in it. Yeah. It's not it's not Hellraiser where it's like, guys, we gotta keep those rights and make some money. Yeah. Um it's not Freddy Krueger where it's where it's like, ah, we need another, like we need some more money to pay for the rest of the shit. Mm-hmm. Or a Jason where it's a quick dollar. Like Halloween how every entry of Halloween's always been very intentional. Mm-hmm. And the only one the only poor planned one was part five. Mm-hmm. That was poorly planned, but we'll get into that later. Um, mm. So we, the beginning of the film, there's this crazy long tracking shot. Oh yeah, that is done. It looks like it's all done in one take. There's mm. actually three really small cuts hmm. that are very well placed that you can't, you don't notice. But the cool thing, whenever they shot this, right, is like they would have. So it was Deborah Hill who's walking around, the producer, mm-hmm. walking around is little Michael. Oh, okay. And it's her hands that grab stuff. Um, but she would walk into one room and, like, uh, they would have everything set up, like, l- the lighting and everything else. And after she passed through that room, the crew A would run to the room upstairs and set up as she went into the crew B room and it kept like they had to follow her and run around and they nailed it mm-hmm. and they yeah. didn't even like they didn't take like 20 takes of this they took one mm-hmm. it's incredible it is it's like and it was the last thing they shot really yeah that's funny because john wasn't sure how to make it work mm-hmm. he knew what he wanted but he's just like how how are we going to do this and he and dean cundy the um the DOP came up with a solution. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Because yeah, you we see that so often now. We're always like, oh, it's so cool. They never, nobody ever mentions Halloween. Yeah. <coughs> Which is one of the one of the firsts. Mm-hmm. I love it. <laughs> so tell me, tell me your thoughts. Tell me your notes that you've got on Halloween. Um. I don't really have any notes on this one, on the original. I just, I feel like sad that I, I, I don't want to visit the rest of the series because I feel like it just feels so unnecessary. It's such a good movie. I don't feel like it needs any addition to it. It was never meant to have a sequel. Yeah, it was supposed to be an, it was supposed to be set up for being an uh, anthology movie series. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah, and I've heard that. You've talked about that on maybe the Thing episode. We've heard Probably. it before on here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that sounds so cool. Yeah. And, of course, studios always get in the way and ruin things. We talk, we complain about them all the time on here. Yeah. I would suggest watching the third one if you want to get a taste of it. Mm-hmm. You probably like that. Yeah, it's, I, it's 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 completely like I wouldn't. I mean, it's different. It's definitely different from the first one yeah. for mm-hmm. sure. But I actually do have some notes about this movie. It's it's short notes, but 
I don't know if you guys have ever seen. I, I'll ask you. I don't know if you've ever seen the TV cut of this movie. Yeah. Okay. So it's in that big box set. <laughs> yeah. So okay. So the TV footage in the movie adds in some extra scenes with kind of fill in the gaps and kind uh, of it, it, kind it, of connect it to. It, yeah, it, it connects things. Um, like there's one where there there's two guys talking to Loomis about Michael and like they're like setting a date for him to be tried as an adult at the age of 21, and Loomis is like pleading with him to move into a maximum security prison. This is Wolf. This is while he's still a child, and Loomis reveals that he has spent four hours a day for six months with Michael. Like mm. he's dedicated everything to this kid because he knows this kid is pure evil. Right. And um, another scene once Michael breaks out, uh, a nurse is leading Loomis to his room. And you get you get to his room and it's like all disarrayed. Everything's thrown everywhere. He like breaks the glass with his like bare hands and like he breaks everyone out and just pushing all these other patients out. Well, they go to close the door and he carves on the door and it says sister. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and then another scene that they got added in is Lori getting ready for the night and Linda comes to the door and she's like just frantically ringing the doorbell. It's broad daylight. Mm-hmm. She gets inside. She's like, "There's a man following me." It's it's the shape. It's Michael, right? And yeah, just like this little. It's only like ten minutes of extra footage that they added in. And but. I believe this is like it feels to me because even I know the story of the siblings. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that uh, motif, if you will, just in pop culture. Yes, uh, which feels like almost like. Well, see, you know, like more people when they think of the Terminator in their mind, they're picturing Arnold in the second movie. Yes. Versus in the first. Mm-hmm. Like they're thinking of the thumbs up and the all of his cheesy lines in that movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that I feel like lots of people think when they think Michael Myers, they think brother of Jamie Lee Curtis. I think they, most people today think of Halloween H2O. Yeah. Interesting. Because that they, one really They pushed into it. so hard for that and spent so much on marketing that you couldn't turn your head in like 1996, 1997 without seeing an ad for it or hearing a radio spot for it or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of Lori, what did you think of Jamie Lee Curtis here? She was great. Fantastic first role. Fantastic. Okay. Yep. She's earned every every dollar she's ever made to find you're asking me. I yeah. completely agree. Yep. And uh, she she wanted this role. Just she wanted to have something. Do- so before this, she were she was on a TV show where she played uh, she played the daughter. I believe it was the daughter of one of her dad's characters because they were making a spinoff movie or a spinoff TV series of one of his movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but she got fired after the first day. They said you're not not what we're looking for uh you just don't you just don't mesh and so she was devastated but whenever this came to her like she didn't th- she didn't she didn't think about like her mom being famous for famous for psycho mm-hmm. or anything like that she just wanted a chance to prove herself here's something that's low cost low stress and we'll just see how it goes but after the first day whenever she got home that phone rang and she had a massive panic attack and almost didn't pick up the phone. But it was John telling her that she did a great job and he was really happy to have her. Hmm. That's so cute. It's a yeah. sweet story. It is a sweet story. It is. <laughs> Dreams do come true. Do you Take know them. the origins of Michael Myers? 
Not really. I don't know anything about the background of this movie. I okay. did not. I, I I did little recon compared to last week. I think because I disliked it last week so much, you I had to find I had to like figure. I needed information of why. Right. Why do you exist? So, uh, so this movie actually started out as a short film that John Carpenter did, hmm. and he did it in college or in film school rather, mm-hmm. and it was just like a short eight minute thing, um, and. That, that was kind of that. Like, it was just uh, one guy stalking a girl really slow and a lot of tension. Mm-hmm. And he was like, I'm not really interested in making horror movies, but I want to make the sci-fi epic, which mm-hmm. was Dark Star. Hmm. Have you ever seen Dark Star? No. It's like the stoner version of 2001 A Space Odyssey. <laughs> the stoner version of that. I'm wow. serious. Like, it is... <laughs> It's like Bill and Ted with Jane Silent Bob in space. Oh wow. Wow. Yeah. It's it's something. <laughs> hmm. Um but spent four years of his life making that. Such a dud. Oh. And so he was like, What am I gonna do? What am I gonna do? And he hooked up he hooked up with this guy, uh I forget his name, but hooked up with this guy who introduced him to another person that had some money and like heard that John was great at building tension because he'd heard of John's short film from one of his classmates. And so he's like, would you be interested in doing something like that? And this along came Halloween or at the time it was called the babysitter murders Mm -hmm. because everybody's had a babysitter. We can relate to that. And everybody has seen somebody that they view as just pure evil. We can relate to that. John met pure evil whenever he was a teenager during a school trip to uh, a mental institution. And the opening scene of the new Halloween is kind of a throwback to that. Hmm. They went out into, I believe they went out into the yard. And of course they had like a safety area they had to stay between. But there was one person that just kept staring at John and there was like the line where Loomis describes Michael and having the blackest eyes, the devil's eyes, that's how John felt about this guy. And he never forgot him. Hmm. And that's who he projected into Michael Myers, who John always referred to as the shape, Mm -hmm. never Michael Myers, because he was just simply the form and the embodiment of true evil. So they cooked this thing off. They made it in 21 days. Um, it was made with Tommy Lee Wallace, who is the director of It, the 1990 series. Hmm. And Nick Castle, um, you would know some of his work, and I forget some of his work, but he's done he's done a lot of writing for kids' TV and other random, random films you would not expect. Hmm. And Nick Castle portrayed Michael Myers through the mo- through the majority of the original Halloween except for the one scene where his mask gets removed. They brought in some random dude to do that. <laughs> Interesting. They wanted a more plain looking face so they brought him in. What did you think of the friends? Laurie's friends? Did you have any attachment to anybody in the original film? Because um. you have Linda and you have Annie. And then you have the kids. 
for the most part, I feel like the, everyone's a set piece. Um, the main thing, the main thing I took out of this movie is, I thought everything was it was perfect storytelling. Mm-hmm. There was just a few things I I didn't care for. Like one, Michael just seems like indestructible. He get he takes a bunch of bullets and never dies. I he takes uh, two. He takes two bullets. Well, doesn't Loomis shoot him like five times at the end? I thought he like, shot him pow, twice. Pow, pow. Uh, six times. Does six. he shoot him six times? And see, that's the reason why. Um, but we kind of. Like, it's because he's the embodiment of evil. Is what they're playing on. Is that it's not that person anymore. It's something else has taken hold of him. And that's the driving force behind him. And he's not going to stop. That's just. You're saying outside of realism, like it's I supernatural. Mean, I not straight not up su- saying supernatural, but, but that's kind of what John was getting at. Yeah. Oh, okay. See, I didn't take it at. I th- I just thought the whole movie was very realistic. Um, besides that happening, um, the most unrealistic part of this movie is not that. Do you no, want to know the, the re- most unrealistic part of this movie? Uh, the one, my one complaint, or my one real complaint about this movie, is that he, Michael Michael Myers, uh, he he's he's got uh, a a taste for the theatrics apparently. He does. He's a very theatrical person because he kills these people. Like he just seems very cold and calculated. He's just killing people, um, and then. He goes and sets up their bodies, and they all become revealed to Lori one at a time. Mm-hmm. That was the stupidest part of the movie. The rest I loved. If that part was cut, or she just saw one body, he's, I'd be fine. He's got a taste for the theatrics, but uh, no. The most the most unrealistic part of this movie is to believe that a man could stab another man with a kitchen knife and he would <laughs> he hang stays out. Up. The funniest part is it's down like lower sternum. Yeah. And, and he's, he's not, not even forward. lumped over. Yeah. And, and then staying back. As a board. Like as a board. three inches of the blade is still hanging out. So it's like, how thin is this dude? Or how, how long is that knife? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No. Yeah. But I'd throw that in with the theatrics though. I liked the theatrics. I don't know. That's something I that did too. Michael likes to show off, show his, show his. Interesting. Well, this is gonna get, this is gonna get heated. Yeah, it will. We already know. <laughs> um, I, I can't even imagine. Tell me what you thought about Loomis. He is fine. I love he Loomis. Just... He is my favorite character in the original. Yeah, I love him. He Donald Pleasance did such an amazing job with that character, and he would come back. He came back for part, part two, four, five, and six. And. And he passed away tragically. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, here, I'll tell you the funny story about the Michael Myers mask. So it's William Shatner, right? You're telling me or the the listeners? I'm telling. Because this is the one thing I already know. Well, you know it's William Shatner. It, yeah. Well, I've heard the story a million times. Okay. You've heard the entire story, but do you know all the details? Uh, I think so. Okay, so it was sold as a Star Trek mask. By, like, a second-tier company, right? Okay. It looks... doesn't look like Captain Kirk much, does it? I I mean, it's a mask. It looks like Captain Kirk a few pounds and a few years after Star Trek. Hmm. The reason why is because they pulled the mold for this from a movie called The Devil's Reign, which was this 
really weird um, European horror film that William Shatner did. And they had to make a cast of his face because at one part in the movie, um, another character wears his face as like a death mask. Hmm. Right? And they pulled the mold from this from the death mask. That's interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's and really cool. uh, And that film was, uh, was, you could call that film an Italian horror film. Because wow. it was produced with Italian money and shot in Rome. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So, that, and they grabbed this mask. They grabbed a couple other masks as well. Um, but they're like, fuck it, we'll use, we'll use that. And then the weirdest thing happens. They make one and two, same mask, right? Mm-hmm. But then four, five, six, and so on, they couldn't get the rights to the mask. So they would have to re redo it and to not the best effect. Some of them just look like fucking cartoons. It's terrible. Yeah. There's uh there's a, there's a whole article we can go. It's like 10 of them and it's like, they're the worst <laughs> fucking things ever. And I don't, uh, yeah, it's just bad. Like it's bad mess. <laughs> H2O tried to get out of using the William Shatner mask to the point where they shot half the film and realized it wasn't working and they had to go back pay for the rights and reshoot half the film instead of being cheap bastards like you can't get away from that mask no you can't that's the thing like it's it's so iconic his that white mask is so iconic and so haunting i mean it's it's everywhere yeah it's in all the marketing and people know it people know that like they know freddy's claw Mm mm-hmm or Jason's hockey mask. Because he's not known for, like, his knife. Or, no. Like, razor claws or anything like that. It's he's not. the wide, emotionless face. Exactly. What did you think about the ending? Like, with his breathing? Like, was it just, like, to keep, the like, the tension? Um, what was the most tension-heavy scene in the original for you? It was the tensest scene. Um, so, oh, you, you're asking me, you asked me what the tensest scene is. I don't know because it's been over a week, but I have qualms to uh, bring out into the open with the new movie because I felt like the original was so tense, suspenseful, and thrilling for me because you mentioned the closet scene was the most tense for you. Mm -hmm. I felt like for me it was more of the quiet, empty scenes where I don't know where he's at. And he could be anywhere. So, like the laundry like scene, the, which is the the oh, here's my thought. Um, what I took the original movie as is it's John Carpenter, uh, pulling out that part of our brain that always has this sense that somebody's watching us. Like you're yes. taking the trash out at night, and you just feel like somebody's in those trees staring at you. And that's what I felt like the whole movie was, and that's what I kind of felt like the ending was a representation of is the breathing, like. Could your Michael Myers actually be around your house? Which is obviously a ridiculous observation, but it's part of us. It's part of our lizard brain. Yeah. And um, the new movie felt like it was that was gone. It hmm. felt like they had ditched all of that in replacement for uh, more showing of this icon just beating up people. Huh. I I could see that. You know, the first Halloween has no no blood in it yeah 
And I and I I'm not a fan of gore either, and so I actually it's one of my favorite horror movies I've probably ever watched. Mm-hmm. Um and the new one it just felt like yeah, it was there's a there, I have several several complaints about this movie. I because right. it, it I watched the original movie on a Friday night, I believe. And you and, and I then went Saturday, Saturday the next day me and Matt went to see the new one and I was just so disappointed because it felt like it lots of people praised it apparently it was way better than anything else they've released so much it's better. so much better like, than any which other is ones. cool it goes halloween and then there's a steep drop off and then it's like <laughs> two and then three if you can separate the whole michael myers thing from it goes back mm-hmm. up uh not quite as high as one but it goes up and then we go back down to four we drop even lower to five we go back up a little bit for six Little back up for seven, and then eight isn't even doesn't even exist on this bar graph because eight it is, is that a, fucking bad. Is a trash can dumped and Mariana's trench of a movie. Uh, yeah, the the original and the new one are the only two that are fresh with critics, mm-hmm. and then Halloween two is the only one that has is the third one that has a positive uh rating on Rotten Tomatoes with the audiences at sixty three yeah. though. So. Yeah, yeah, and I mean. I grew up watching these movies. I watch them year round. Like mm-hmm. I just don't watch them on Halloween. So like I know, I don't know. I love the new one. Like, I think I I love the new one because it felt it felt like Michael Myers to me. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah, and okay. because I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna the reason why it felt like Michael Myers to me is because he is a force yeah. and he, in the original. No, like that's that's what Loomis is getting at though. Loomis is warning them in the original one. The older he gets, the, the older he gets, he gets, the stronger he's gonna get. We need to lock him away in a maximum security prison. Like that's I don't understand that. Wouldn't his bones and muscles get weaker though? To a normal human it would, but he's not human. He's, he's the not, true he's embodiment like of evil. No, he's, he's the he's, true embodiment of evil. So see, and this is my thing is it's like it's like hold on, wait. It's like demon possession. He's human, but there's like something else driving. There's a him. driving force behind okay, him. That's so not we're reading stop. it in, into two different ways. I took You're reading the original it more as like the more realistic. It way. feels very gritty. It feels like a Nolan film, the John Carpenter movie. It feels uh, like the Dark Knight. Okay, and this feels like Batman v Superman. Is exactly. That okay. That's what it feels like because He's going around just uh, plowing through people like a like a dump truck. So, I'm sorry. Um, he does, but that's. Um, I want to tell you about the rest of them. Can I tell you about the? Can we tell you about the rest of well, them? Well, they're not canon, so why does it matter? Well, let me tell you about the timeline. <laughs> So there's one timeline that goes Halloween, then Halloween 2, then Halloween 4, then 5, then 6. Mm-hmm. And then there's another timeline where it's Halloween 2, or Halloween, Halloween 2, Halloween H2O, and then Halloween Resurrection. And then there's the Halloween 3 timeline um, that exists as well. Mm-hmm. And then there's the new timeline, which is Halloween, and then Halloween. Right. There's four timelines here. And then, yeah. Uh, in part three, he's the celebrity cameo. I oh. see a TV spot. You see a TV. You see him on TV. <laughs> yeah. Wait, the the head, the lead character in Halloween three is drinking in a bar, and you see it, and he says, "Can you shut that shit off?" Oh, yeah, yeah. that's great. Um, so he started this. They wanted to, okay. The studio wanted to make part two, mm-hmm. and 
they had the option. And John Carpenter signed a contract saying he had to write the story. Mm-hmm. And the famous story is, and I'm not sure how true it is or what, but the famous story is that John Carpenter had no story. He was done. So he goes and he picks up a six-pack and he goes home. He drinks himself into oblivion and he writes Halloween too. That's a story that I've heard too. And the, I don't know where, nobody knows exactly where the Lori sister twist came from, but you could probably say it came from the Empire Strikes Back. Hmm. Because that came out around this time. <laughs> around the time of part two. Right. And another guy, I believe it was Rick Rosenthal, directed it. And the studio wanted it meaner. And they wanted more gore and things like that. She get in the movie with, with uh, the hot tub scene in particular. The hot tub scene is a throwback to a Mario Bava film called Blood and Black Lace. It's a good scene. It's a good scene. But fun fun thing. Uh, so in that film, you know in this film where he... So, okay, Laurie spends the majority of the movie in a hospital bed passed out. She's in the last 20 ish minutes of the movie aside from one scene at the beginning where they're taking her to the hospital right michael you find out is just walking around the neighborhood and the scene in the new halloween where he is walking around the neighborhood um and like enters that woman's house you know like with the hammer Mm -hmm. that is the opening scene you first see michael in in halloween 2 yeah that's except for he doesn't kill he doesn't kill her um, instead, he leaves a bloody knife on her cutting board, and she freaks she's, out. Because she's making a sandwich for her husband, who's passed out on the couch watching uh, Night of the Living Dead. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And they were going to redo this again, is what I heard them talking about. But the man playing the sleeping husband didn't show up, and so they threw in the baby crib the instead. Baby instead. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Do and you... he doesn't kill the baby. He doesn't kill the baby. And, and do you know why? Have you heard the director's reason? No. Because in quotes, that would be rude. <laughs> All right. <laughs> but I mean, in the sequel, though. But did you know the babies, the crying baby sounds? That's Jamie Lee Curtis. Because mm-hmm. she's apparently really talented at it. At fucking crying like a baby. And it's like, what? I mean, I didn't. I, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have <laughs> guessed that. that That's it the was weirdest like hidden it. talent ever. Yeah. It must be the Activia. So at the end of Halloween 2, mm-hmm. we blow up and burn Michael Myers and Dr. Loomis more or less just like we do in the new film. It's gas, fire starts, and then later there's an explosion. Hmm. And that's how it ends. Um, I'm not the biggest fan of 2. It's okay. Uh, yeah, I... I don't know. The two is like the one that you throw on and you can kind of just bebop around the house while it's playing. Yeah, but it's good. If you watch them back to back, it's interesting. Because mm-hmm. it picks right back up. It does. It's the entire night that he came home and the following morning until he dies. Because it's still like Halloween kids are like still out trick-or-treating throughout mm-hmm. this movie. Mm-hmm. And some of the characters that you hear about in the first film, you actually see in part two. Like Laurie's... Uh, is it boyfriend? It's uh, no, it's just a guy she has a crush on, Ben Tramer. Ben Tramer. He's wearing a Michael mask, and then they murder him. Yeah, <laughs> the police wearing, just kill him. But he's wearing like God. he's wearing the same jumpsuit and everything, but his the hair is blonde, and he gets like smashed in between an ambulance, 
and a car, which honestly, I didn't even realize that that was Ben Tramer until only about a year ago. Cause they go like the only way they find out who it is through his teeth and like, it's Ben Tramer. It's like, Oh shit. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't, I mean, dumb for you to wear that outfit, I guess. Uh, yeah. Well, he didn't know. And well, know here, what's going on. It doesn't make sense. You want to know why it doesn't make sense? Why would Ben Tramer pick up the same mask and spray paint it fucking white on the first night Michael Myers comes back? I don't know. Just punching fun. fucking holes in the story. Yeah. Why would Michael Myers uh, pick up a jumpsuit off of a um, dead mechanic? That's his preferred getup, apparently. I just don't get it. It just felt so I kinda, I kinda do. cheesy. I, I understand that I, I get the jumpsuit because the jumpsuit um, is all one piece and it's kind of padded. And it's the same as like Jason wearing one. I just don't see him as like the guy who has like all these thoughts in his head. He's it's, very he theatrical, seems, Everett. He, he has said these so. thoughts. I know, and it just that was the stupidest part of the first movie, and they bring it back to the extreme in this movie. So uh, no, I'll, I'll go ahead and let you know that's not the first time it's happened in the film series. No, oh, I yeah. I oh, wouldn't doubt it's it. Happened like in like all of them. No, so yeah, he he's uh going around uh digging people's brains and skulls out to make their heads into jack-o'-lanterns in this movie. That was <laughs> awesome. I, here, I can just imagine the moment where he like he like <laughs> carves it a little bit and he's like, "I think that looks good. I think that looks good. It looks like good." And he's like, "I'm gonna put it in the light. All right, let's show that flashlight in. Oh, you're kind of a little sideways here. Like, I and just want to see that the moment. The other cop in the car as well, and he like he makes them drive up to the. It felt like. You know how everybody feel, had that he's standing, one. He's standing off screen like this. That one complaint in the Dark Knight Rises, where he he paints the mm-hmm. the bat in gasoline instead of helping the city in all those times. Like yeah. this, he's taking this time in this movie to do that. That just felt. Oh hey, God! I mean, dear the God. dude, the dude got a taste for blood forty years ago, and he's been locked up for forty years. So I no, expect him to go crazy. On that note, Nolan said that it actually wasn't Batman. Batman got some kids to do it. Oh, okay. He pays. Apparently, <laughs> he pays he's gasoline. off. He, he poor gasoline. He's like, he paid some random kids to do that, and uh, yeah. All right. Well, got an explanation for that. Maybe Michael Myers paid some kid to do all his to car fucking Jack o' Lantern. Yeah, he may have. Um, oh god. Okay. Man. Speaking of kids, though, this is the first movie where we see Michael kill a kid. Yeah, because he leaves and kids alone not, in the original. I did not expect that no. at all. Like that, really? That shock. I was like, get, get in the car, you're going to die. Dude, that, that seriously shocked the <laughs> shit out. Like I screamed in the theaters because I've, I've never you, seen him do that. Yeah. Mm. I And I was right there with you. I was like, no, he's not going to do it. Like He'll then, just like throw the kid or something. But he fucking. I yeah. literally was like, holy shit. Holy shit. He's he going to do it. He fucking did it. Yeah. And like, because the baby scene was after that, and I was like, "Oh my god, please don't, don't dig yes, down deeper, don't dig had, down deeper, do not do this." Yeah, you and I had the same thought. So it opens. Here's a fun thing: <clears throat> it opens with podcasters, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, investigative journalist. <laughs> so the one of the producers on this film, mm-hmm. his name is Ryan Turek, and he is on my one of my favorite podcasts called Shockwaves. And he thought that would be a fun way that would speak to kind of the hip crowd. That's kind of how I felt. It's like, <laughs> we got to grab the hip crowd. It kind of, kind of speak to the, the hip crowd as well as also be true to his origins. Cause he, before he was a producer started out as just a podcaster. Hmm. He kind of just kept going further and further. So I don't know. I liked that touch because I listened to him every week talk. 
Um, um so these 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 podcasters I mentioned earlier the only scene the the probably one of the best scenes in the movie was the opening. I felt like it was actually a really intense scene. Probably the only scene that used tension like the original uses tension. Interesting. Like with all the the other crazies on their chains going and the dogs going going wild and that one guy that just kept saying Figaro like I was like <laughs> do it buddy you can do it. And this podcaster just keeps yelling you can feel it. Feel it, Michael. Look at it. Look at it. Instead of just walking around him. Yeah. <laughs> he just, well, he wanted he him to turn around. around. I, you know, I kind of had that second viewing with you. I was kind of like, why don't you just step? Because first, <laughs> yeah. okay, here. My reaction, I walked out of this. I saw it on a Thursday. I walked out of the theater and I was like, that was the best fucking thing. I loved it. Like, perfect film. I think it's amazing still. Uh, but watching it the second time, I saw that and I was kind of like, Okay. Well, just look at it this way, though. You know, but you know what would happen though if if he started to walk around him, he, Michael would just keep turning. You know how fucking goofy that would look. That would be hilarious. Know, it would be hilarious. I want to see that keep, movie. It's like it's like Michael, Michael, come on, turn well, around, Michael. Also, if he stuck his hand, because he's up on the line, if he stuck his hand out in front of Michael across that line in front, Michael's gonna reach out, and probably grab the dude, and just fucking murder him like he did the child right. later. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I loved the intro. I loved the opening, the title sequence. Oh man, that the was so cool! And, and that's, the music. That's oh, the man, the music. Correct me if I'm wrong, but that's the first movie that has used like the OG font. I don't know if Halloween two did. But Halloween that's, two did. That's too. the first movie that's used the OG font like that. Halloween. It was awesome. It felt yeah. so good. Uh, and the new slightly out of focus kind of like the, overblown. Crunch watching the pumpkin, pumpkin come, come back, back from the dead was just a nice little. It was cool. A nice little wink. Um, so we go. We get. We get the podcasters, and then we jump forward, and we see them talking to Lori. Now, what did you think of this Lori? Because we have a very different. My favorite part of the movie is Lori. Yes. She is it's so cool for one. The original she was just the typical slasher female villain. Or not villain. Villain uh, the villain vic- of the story is revealed. Uh victim. And it was so cool to see somebody who had uh reacted to that interaction. Mm-hmm. Uh I mean I guess we've seen them in sequels, but I like this. Do they like... ever really change from the same character? Um so like, yeah, because yeah, they bring I, her back in H2O, and she's got PTSD, but instead of turning that into a weapon like she does in this one, mm-hmm. she's coping with drugs and alcohol. And and she like, still sees the shape like everywhere. Yeah, she turns around and sees in every which way. She freaks out, and it's only the last few minutes of the movie where she kind of says, okay, fuck this. Like, I'm just mm-hmm. going to fight you. And here's where I uh, – she felt like uh, the, a gritty – Ripley to me, like Ripley Sarah Connor, from yeah. from Alien to Aliens. Mm-hmm. Uh, but whereas, but and I say gritty, and this is my one complaint: is it feels like the movie is trying to do a Nolan gritty movie mm-hmm. with Laurie's story, but then we got Michael Myers running around carving people's pumpkin heads, and uh, pumpkinhead, good movie, pumpkinhead, and we apparently new Loomis. Has, is is made out of jello his head he has no skull apparently that's not loomis new he loomis. said new oh, loomis. oh new loomis okay yeah well he steps on a really Numi. hard call him um, Numi. really hard matt do you know how hard the human skull is i, I think do. i could do it i do you could not brandon i think i, could. I made sure and did all my research on this 
no human being can stomp a skull to the point where it explodes. It's good. You that... can get run over by a car, and it would not would not shatter your skull like that. It would just crack it. Well, it's good to know that a demon can do it. Demon Myers here. Duh. Choose one, guys. Supernatural or gritty realism? No, I'm not talking to you guys. I'm talking to the filmmakers. Right. Uh, that that was it's just too hard. That's, that's the main thing I complain. I I hate The Walking Dead because they do that. They try to do this really gritty, um, Breaking Bad, uh, AMC uh, drama, mm-hmm. but then they have people made out of paper. <laughs> Whereas these 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 Look out for those these, these rotting <laughs> dying uh, beings are able to just tear people's skin apart with their fingers. Right, but you know why, right? It's because they're made of rocks and scissors. Oh, right. Yeah. Duh. Duh. Everyone knows that. Paper beats rock, though. So. <gasps> um. <laughs> Tangent. I think it's a valid complaint. I agree. I, I And I get it. I get it. But I also am coming from a place where we've had 10 other movies. Mm-hmm. And not and to right, very, you, you have a very good reason to praise the movie. Yeah, I yeah. Very, you've waited for this, and I have a very different appreciation of it than you. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you guys like? Okay, you'll notice them. Did you notice like uh, some of the other Easter eggs that were in the movie? A lot of them, dude. Uh, this movie felt like um, Easter, so much egg, the Easter movie. egg. Well, it's like it's yeah. like one, Ready Player One, <laughs> part <yeah>. two. <laughs> one that like in particular. Uh, uh, Lori's granddaughter, her boyfriend. You know who that? Who that? That's the son of. <laughs> hey, Lonnie, get your ass away from there! Oh, really? That's his son. Yeah. Who? Wait. Her, her boyfriend, the one who throws her phone in the punch. No, 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 no. Who? The son of who? Lonnie or? He's the son of Lonnie. Okay. Because right. in the that was the best like, line in the yeah, original film. Yeah. Because hey, in the hey, Lonnie. When they're having like breakfast that morning, I think they're having breakfast, and the dad's like, "I don't like it," and he says his name. Yeah, and he's like, I don't like him. His his dad Lonnie was always an asshole. Yeah. Oh, his shit. son's an asshole. Like I he's like going that. off. Yeah. yeah. And then you see uh, the mask. You may not get it because it's the mask from Halloween Three: Season of the Witch. The whole movie is based around these series of masks. Mm-hmm. There's kids wearing them. They're trick or treating. You see him running around, running around, trick or treat, trick or treating in the new film. In the it's new film. Cool. Go back to Lonnie's kid. Say it again. What What about it? Who is he? He's uh um Lori's granddaughter's boyfriend. I'm glad you brought him up, Brandon. Thank you. Because I do not understand why we spend so much gosh darn, sorry me for my French, time uh, with Lori's uh, granddaughter and her boyfriend when we could be spending time with Lori or her daughter, who they have this amazingly, beautifully dysfunctional interesting relationship that i want to know more about i want more of that i don't want this this stupid babysitter homage stuff see and that's i saw like it the, in the original that's I the problem it. i i liked it but that's you're not the only person who's had that complaint people had that complaint about h2o because mm-hmm. they focus a lot of their time on uh her she has a son in this movie mm-hmm. they focus a lot of time on her son and Josh like, Hartnett's Josh first Hartnett, role. Yeah, and like his friend. It just group. literally felt like homage. Like, we have to do the babysitter stuff, guys. And people are going to complain if he's not killing babysitters. I kind of liked it. I, I liked it. I, I, liked I loved the kid that. that I loved the that, kid. That he was hilarious. Was Julian. That yeah. is so hilarious. Oh, wait, no, I'm wait. out. Before, before we go there, hold on a minute. I want to talk about Allison. 
which is the granddaughter. Mm-hmm. I liked getting, okay. I honestly felt like this movie between the three ladies, mm-hmm. um, Allison, Karen, and Lori, I felt was really balanced. I felt like we got a little less of Karen than the others, but I felt like it was really like a balancing act. And they show you at the end, whenever they're, they trap Michael, these three amazing women standing there as a Trinity. And like you have followed, you have followed all three of us through this film. You've seen all of our, all of our personal plights and we've put all of those differences aside. We've grown stronger and we are here and we are the ones that are standing above. Oh, I'm like, getting goosebumps just thinking about this. Yeah, scene. I just felt I, like... I felt like it was poetry. I liked it. I, I felt like more so it should have... Because Allison didn't play as much into his demise as... She was the one that stabbed him at the end. And when he falls down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess I was just thinking more so... It, the, the most powerful moment to me was when... Uh, What's her daughter's name? Karen. Karen. Gotcha. Shoots gotcha. Yeah, she that was an awesome moment. I loved that. I wish it would have killed him personally. That would have just been a cooler moment where he just falls down dead. Uh I didn't mind the ending uh where he's trapped. I mean it was kind of a nice bow tie to where it reveals her childhood was she was living in a cage for Michael. That was kind of disturbing, but uh Here, let me tell you let me pause you. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you Everything about the ending was reshot. All of it. For the, sequel bait? No. Okay. No. I'm going to tell you about the original ending. Okay. Um, the original ending was... Okay, so Karen and Lori are there at the house, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, Rick... Or no, Ray. Ray gets killed. And then here comes... Here comes Allison. And she's in the mannequin area and she sees Michael kill Ray Mm -hmm. and Michael starts to go after her. Hmm. Okay. That did seem really random where we got the scene where she falls in the mannequins and it's just a random, she's scared of them. So it's kind of a throwback because one of the, one of the, uh, Blum, Jason Blum is a huge fan of tourist trap. Mm Mm-hmm. And that movie features a bunch of weird mannequins, and it was kind of like his, hey, I really like this film, and we're going to do something fun. Um, But so Michael starts pursuing her, Hmm. right? And Lori tells Karen to stay, and she goes after Michael. In the trailers, if you watch the trailers, there's this scene where where Lori is coming at Michael with a knife, and Michael grabs her hand. That is from the cut ending. Her and Michael have it out in the front yard. Um, he ends up he ends up stabbing her to the point where it seems like she's for sure going to die. Um, and Karen is what saves her because uh, a few parts parts in this film we see uh, a crossbow, right? Mm-hmm. We see it in the flashback. Um, it's also it's also present down in the in the area in the in the bunker. And she was going to come out and she was going to shoot Michael and she was going to shoot him through the neck with the crossbow. Mm. And then between that and the other stab wounds, like the police would show up finally because they would realize that something's wrong. Nobody's answering. So here comes the cavalry, and Michael wanders off into the woods. And the last image is you see him, you see Lori looking like she's dead on the ground 
and then you flash over to the woods and see Michael leaned up against a tree like he's pulled the arrow out of his neck but like he's kind of hunched over and it cuts to black and then you hear the breathing Hmm. and that was how it originally ended there was no there was no fight upstairs with the homage to the closet there was no gotcha moment or no like Hmm. I mean making that place into a cage or a prison yeah and there's scene, there yeah. was no there was no it's not a it's not a cage gotcha. it's a trap there was none of that good move i guess very good move. i liked it um i i my one complaint i mean you got the closet thing but i did like think like she fell into stupid horror character moment where she walks into the room with all these these mannequins that look like michael and she doesn't turn the lights on for some reason she's killed the power she just turned the lights on out in the front yard separate generator but but she killed the power in the house or he did somebody severed the power i don't remember if it was him or her but there's a scene where somebody disables the power i think it's him because that's when she said it's not the gates not run on power because don't they make a noise when they go down like uh, i think that the gate and like the outside like floodlights are on like completely separate like power grid if that yeah well he gets in before the power's cut through the gate we get that and right and then he shows up and i think whenever he shows up and he's walking upstairs is when the power goes out and she shoots through the floor oh and there's the backup generator which will control the front lights but that's it i hmm. think is how that might work gotcha it doesn't it doesn't give it to us completely but that's what i would mm-hmm. think because she loses the cameras too mm-hmm um. Yeah. So she does go in there, and yeah, it does. It does get into some night, some typical kind of horror trope. But I do like whenever she gets thrown over the balcony, and he looks, and she's gone, and we get the mm-hmm. we get the classic yeah, thing. Yeah, that was, I was nice. like, it's like fuck yes. Yeah. Like we're gonna kill him. We're really gonna do this. Yeah. But did they? I don't know. Because that's my own. My, I have two more complaints. That's one is the s- sequel bait. It just feels like, I, I mean. I have, I have some ans- I have some, <sighs> some thoughts to give I would have loved to. It would have been like more like poetic to watch him. Because what I'm going to say here is, once again, it feels gritty and realistic to me. So I don't, it doesn't make any sense. It seems disrespectful if they were to make another movie to Lori, this person who's gone through this PTSD and she spent 40 years developing this trap for this guy and somehow he survives the trap that she built for him. I agree. Specifically for this guy she's been preparing all this time for. I agree. And I don't I don't I don't know if they're going to bring back Michael. Okay. See, and this isn't something I'd I'd not mind. If yeah. they do something else, that's, that's with why I'm, I'm really a like, new character. For, I'm really pulling for them to actually pull the trigger on the, I guess not anthology at this point, but just pull the trigger on moving on to a new character. Mm-hmm. And I think it can it can be done. There's no doubt. In my Who mind has the r- the main rights? Oh, it's a mess. Okay, it's like the Akkads. It's the Akkads. That's that's my main fear is that I can't imagine a studio being like okay with them moving on to something else it's well there's one person it's the um i don't know his first name but it's the guy his last name is the cod is a cod mm-hmm. and 
It's not Mustafa Akkad. That was the father. That's it's the father. His son. Son. Well, I, no, Simba. I, huh? Simba. Did he have multiple sons then? Because I know he passed with one of his sons. It was his daughter. Oh, it was his daughter. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, but it's his son that has the rights and like he owns the majority. So he says what happens and what doesn't to Halloween and Michael Myers as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, because universal is just a distributor. Mm-hmm. So is Blum Blumhouse is just a production company. Uh, this could I, go to Sony. And I'm sure you, you feel or the Marvel. same way, but yeah. it just feels like such a perfect closing of the chapter of Lori and Michael. It does. It and does. Yeah, I agree. I beautiful. Yeah. Do you, Especially, it's kind of a. uh, It feels like, and I feel like they kind of like trip over themselves because they didn't have a female writer on this. Uh, It's very obviously um, analogous with the Me Too movement and stuff, whereas she's facing her victim or Mm -hmm. her her. I'm mixing up words again. A victim is facing her attacker for the first time again. and she finally gets closure at the end. Yeah. Also, this but is there's the... like parts in the movie where I feel like it could have been tighter and more well done if mm. they actually had somebody with more understanding writing. Um, Not saying the... men can't be. Yeah. Well, sexually assaulted. This is the only um, movie where he's referenced to as the shape. If you got it, it when besides they, when... the first, he's never called the shape. They never called the shape. Oh, you mean out loud? On yeah. screen. Okay. Like, well, uh, I was just thinking of the credits. Because yeah. uh, when Lori, Lori strolls into in. dinner and mm-hmm. she says, I saw him, I saw the shape. And oh. what I want I, I want to get both your thoughts on I, one. I want to, yeah, I want to go through this because I have some thoughts. Um, the scene where he gets hit and mm-hmm. uh, I'm, I call him Numi. Numi gets out and, uh, you know, goes from there, reveals, oh, yeah, he's bad. Who? Pull, uh, New Loomis. New Loomis. I call him New. Oh, okay. He uh, pulls we the mask have off. The worst scene in the movie. Wait, yeah. wait, wait! Before we get there, I, w- I want to talk about that, but I want to talk about something else. Okay. First. Okay. We open this movie. Michael kills the podcasters. Did you guys feel any which way about that? <sighs> Stupid. The fucking teeth. The, it was creeped so, me the fuck out. Cre- it creeped my. Sh- that creeped my. Shit it was out. gross to me, but I was like, that feels so out of character for him. Theatrics. It just, I feel like the theatrics wasn't real though in the original. It just, it felt like, isn't he, he like, he's, is he trying to scare her? Is that I, in I think he's saying of his this mind? is your fate. And that's, I think, the theme of this movie is fate. Yeah. I guess I just don't see him as a communicator at all. That's he's how just I, a killer. Because that's how I see a bunch of, like, how you mentioned it, fate, like, with the cop scene. Yeah. Like, there's a whole bunch of, like, scenes where it's like, this is meant to happen. Yeah, it's like and the, it's it's the inevitable. Like this is going to happen. Okay, and that's how I. That's why I, I see Michael as like a, a force. Like, no matter what, nothing's going to stop him, because he's set out and he. I mean, he waited forty years in this timeline. Like, except for three badass women, am I right? Yeah, that's right. That's so right. we go a little further. Okay, and we get the bus crash scene. Okay. Mm-hmm. And before that, we see Lori drinking and having a massive panic attack with this shadowed figure of Michael standing in the background, Mm -hmm. right? Did you guys think that maybe she crashed the bus? No. I had that thought. I I thought it was Numi. I I had that thought, Um, too. By the end of the movie, I thought it was Numi. I had the thought that maybe she engineered this because she wanted him that bad. Yeah, because, I mean, she's like she has been literally waiting 
for 40, 40 years, years her like entire she, life it's cost her everything like she mm-hmm. like she sees that as it costing her the relationship she had with her daughter or could have had with her daughter yeah. and just everything else like and that's the thing how you said like the movie focuses not enough on Lori. i like how he's perfect balance it i think it shows how three generations of people are dealing with something that only happened to one of them but mm-hmm. in turn it's affected like fate it's yeah it's it it's causes like a whole effect a to a family yeah. No, yeah that goes back to the me too thing yeah and that's like i really love that aspect of the movie i do too i thought it was awesome so we get the bus crash scene and like i said like i i had to wonder if laurie maybe maybe did that because she wanted him that bad we go a little further of course we see michael get his mask back which i thought was a beautiful scene i love that scene i didn't care for it I love once that. again well you know who, like you <laughs> tell know me that, what you didn't like about it you know who that was in that like, who played him right nope that okay. wasn't the scene oh no. that wasn't i know oh, okay. what you're talking about yeah. yeah it just felt so cheesy that he needs his outfit again it just felt so dumb like just i don't know okay it's 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 a horror movie and sometimes you just gotta take breath and let it go because we have to have this character as what we know to it close would, this book we have to have him as he was because if he came back with something else man it just i, I mean if he came back with the other mike myers mask just, what's going on here yeah <laughs> we already saw that in baby driver it didn't go well oh yeah <laughs> it says mike myers <laughs> I, I still crack a little yeah, that's funny. um so i okay this movie is based a lot of people some of the complaints i've seen is this movie's just a bunch of happenstance but i don't believe that i believe it's fate i believe that everything is connected and plays out as it should because because it was written by people ah um but plays out as it should because like there's something that is one Lori is the one that got away and in my mind michael is what she like michael is after her Mm-hmm. He wants to close that chapter and then move on. Right. She's the one that got away. Yeah. Um, And it's, yes, it is. It like, it is so random that he happens to come upon Allison and that guy, her friend. Mm-hmm. And that kind of leads him onward, uh, sort of. But that scene, okay. So whenever he encounters Allison, one, the music right there is the best in the entire movie. Like you get the you get the notes playing and then the guitar just comes in. It's like processed somehow with maybe a synth, but it's like through the gate. Yeah, mm. you know what I'm talking about where he yeah. just suddenly appears. I I love that cue. Um, but we see him kill the other guy with the fucking motion sensor lights. Oh, gosh. that that was some fucking Oof. tension. God, you guys. I felt like that. It just felt like such a writer room. Like I couldn't see it without picturing a bunch of writers, like, like getting giddy in their chairs when they were writing that. I loved that scene. I loved it. I too. loved it so much. I mean, I get it. Like, yeah, I, I can. I understand like the tension and stuff behind it, but it was so hard for me to draw, get into the movie instead of being in the like seeing the writers' room. Whenever it went black, um, right before he shows up and stabs the kid, mm-hmm. somebody in my first theater yelled out run fat boy run like i mean people were really into it yeah um we had some talkers in our theater over it did we did you not notice them Mm, not really fuck they wouldn't shut up um okay we go a little further and we get 
the big twist that Brandon wants to talk about. Yeah. yeah. Well, this is like the main thing I want to talk about is like your thoughts on it. Like, what did you think was going to happen from that part on in the movie where he puts on the mask? Because I thought that I thought that was them killing the fucking franchise. I thought it was going to go a complete opposite fucking way that like this doctor was going to be the killer. Did you think he was already out. dead, Michael? Yes, I did. From and okay. and I was like, oh, God, this guy is going to just like haul around his fucking body. And then like he's going to keep doing the killings for him. Like, that's just like, I don't know. It would have been a cooler I, twist. I, I, it would have been if they had done it in a different way. I just felt like his motivation was so out there and so, like, I, I there was no build up to for me to have any understanding and, of it. And like the thing with that, like the doctor saying, like he wants to know, he wants to know why he's doing it. And I feel like the whatever force is behind Michael has the ability to like get to other people because that's happened in the thorn trilogy where they like they they want to know like mm-hmm. what mm-hmm. is what is driving him because they're so intrigued by it the because one, because like in four, the one theory six, they, they they tell you it's a curse and essentially like it's a sacrifice to like a sun god or something weird like yeah. that and one person every millennia is chosen out of the bloodline to kill a bloodline but then they have to produce a child from the killer to continue on the bloodline and later on it'll happen again hmm. yeah that just doesn't fit my mindset for this for the this, no. these movies uh the one theory i read that i was like okay was uh somebody said he was already obsessed with michael before ever going to work there mm-hmm. um and wanted to he already had premeditated thoughts of murder and stuff and then went to go uh, study under him. And I agree with that. And I also, I believe, okay, so the doctor twist, I knew something was up with the doctor whenever we get the very beginning and we look at his pen and Hydra is a big thing, right? Because Marvel, Mm -hmm. Marvel films, right? You take off one arm, another one goes back. Mm -hmm. Well, his pen is a tentacle. And I was like, they're telling us, and I know, like, <laughs> well, I saw that and I was like, I was like, they're telling us something's wrong with him, and there's something. The visual language tells me to watch out for that pen. Why yeah. are we focusing mm-hmm. on it? Um, and I didn't, I didn't realize it was gonna be a knife. Yeah, you know, I didn't see that coming, silly. but I definitely seen, I definitely saw him not being what he was, especially whenever they show up at the bus, and he's not hurt. Mm-hmm. So in my mind. Like he while I it. was wondering if it was Laurie or not, yeah, he he did it. He let Michael go and watched Michael do his thing. Um, it's just a wonder that Michael didn't kill him in that moment. Yeah, it is. We go a little further here. Uh, I to answer your question, I immediately saw in my mind I was like, okay, he's gonna put it on because he has to know what it's gonna be like, and he's gonna get a little too close to Michael and Michael's going to kill him. Like, I didn't think that he was going to drive down the road with Michael in the back necessarily, but I, I saw Michael coming back to murder him. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, it was like a split, th- like split second thought I had whenever like that happened. Where I think the franchise could go and an interesting way to take Michael Myers out of the equation is that what if the evil passes? That's yeah. That's like, that's what I, that's what I was like trying to get at. Is, yeah. Yeah. What if, what if, Somebody in this is so traumatized that they end up doing it, and it would be Allison. I did think about this, not not with the, any supernatural meaning, but so much as so she is traumatized that she does, 
She doesn't go let go on, of the knife yeah. after she stabs him. She does. Uh, perhaps it could be done in a much more interesting way to where her first kill is more accidental, but she kind of gets a taste for it and then she mm-hmm. just rolls on. It could be a really good psychological thriller. It could be. And they were going to go down this road once before in Halloween 4 where he's after his niece, right? Mm-hmm. Named Jamie, who, the daughter of Laurie Strode. Because they're on this whole, you got to kill your bloodline thing. And at the end of that movie, after they've killed Michael, you see Jamie go and put on her Halloween costume. And then, or no, she's wearing the Halloween costume. You see her put on the mask. And they redo the opening shot of the original Halloween. And she kills her mother. And the movie ends with somebody stopping it's, a, uh, it's Loomis. A, like a deputy or sheriff uh, stopping Loomis from shooting from her. From shooting her. Like, I have to kill the evil. And like, just... Because the evil has passed. Yeah. No, when you, but you, Brandon, are you thinking more of like going out to a type of, like a season of the witch type separation? No, not not this time around. I think that uh, like they could that they could tool it in to where the evil passes on to somebody else. And it's preference still... wise or just that's what preference wise. That's what, that's what I would like to see. Hmm. Um, hmm. That's what I would just like to see because I like, I think because I'm on like the, so big into the anthology thing right now with Cloverfield and stuff, I would like to see something. Oh, I won't be, uh, I want John Carpenter lightly to... connected. Yeah. I want John Carpenter to come back get to do his thing finally. and get to do his thing because i won't be upset either way they've made enough money by yeah. now that they should like just give the guy a bone yeah i mean this movie in particular has made like the most so far. oh yeah it's oh, the yeah. high it's the most successful one yeah. out of the entire franchise uh yep uh number one first two weeks mm-hmm. next week it's going bohemian Rhapsody is going to be number one i bet probably yeah once that comes out it will but it wouldn't be awesome if Halloween was number one three weeks in a row. Uh, I don't know. I'm a huge Queen fan, so. Ah, okay. I will tell you, this movie is in my top ten of the year. Ah. Uh-huh. Yeah, definitely. I yeah. love this film, and. Oh my gosh! It's made 175 million. Yeah, and I believe it is the most worthy successor, and <laughs> you could watch the this the first and this one. And have a satisfying experience um, and not, I don't know. I don't really feel like the quality, I guess I don't, I'm one of the weird, maybe weird ones that I don't feel like the quality dips here. I, I don't feel, either. I feel like it does, it does, a, the only thing, my one minor complaint is that I would have liked there not to be so much violence on the screen from Michael mm-hmm. because the original did that. That said, we live in a very different world now, and I can understand why. And they reference that in the movie, which is pretty cool. Oh yeah, yeah. we heard our, we were went to see Predator uh, with our friend, friend of the show Ian Upton, and he mentioned how, like, on the posters, it's saying forty years ago he killed four people, and he's like, well, five people, uh, five people. He's like, is that a big deal? <laughs> right. <laughs> like, yeah. how how many people have? done that these days and uh, yeah they it, then in the movie i thought of that when i mm-hmm. thought of him saying that when that one kid says that's nothing yeah they dispel that and the brother rumor right at the beginning oh yeah that was funny yeah that was cool so <sighs> i'm excited also I'm excited to see the future with it 
I, I am too. And I also loved the, I love, like you were talking about Julian. I loved Julian. Julian's scenes were some of the best in the entire movie where he's like, fucking run, Dave, you're going to die. Yeah. <laughs> like run, Dave, what are you doing? Yeah. He's like, nope. And he's like, just runs away. Yeah. That, was that great. kid, that kid, you know, he, he knows, la- he knows what to do. Yeah. He's, he's seen horror movies. He knows. He was the last minute. He was the last person cast. He was a last minute addition. Um, the original kid they brought in to do that. Uh, for some reason just didn't show up like his parents or something had a problem so they went out found that kid and shot those scenes the next day hmm. he's Thank, great yeah I loved it he's loved close it. to favorite scene for me but it's not it's the it's the ending scene where the jack-o'-lantern uh, god dear god <laughs> probably least favorite scene uh, that either that or Numis is the betrayal yeah um no uh my favorite scene was when uh karen shoots him mm, it's so cool and yeah. it's doing the flashbacks with her childhood too yeah. i like that's great i God. like the shot where he's like being set on fire and he's still just still just staring at him and i think I was, you know what i was kind of hoping for there to watch him burn no well burn yeah that, it would have been cool to uh see that but for him to like say something nah. you like, really wanted word. him to say something no, no. Really? No. It's like uh, I don't no. know. It just feels like here. Here's my thing. I I'm I, I liked Twin Peaks, uh-huh. but I was so like s- stressed, like angry at the new one for yeah. not like giving me that satisfaction, and well, that's how I felt at the end of. If Halloween. you wanna, if you wanna hear him talk, watch Halloween Two: Rob Zombie, and you'll hear him talk, and it's the stupidest thing ever. Actually, you hear him talk a lot through the fir- through Rob Zombie's films. Yeah, it's, it's mm. stupid. You say that I like this film. I didn't. No, I know I like the first one. I don't like the second one. I like the director's cut. I do What's not your like favorite the scene one? in this movie. Favorite scene in this movie and the seventy-eight. I'll say my seventy-eight okay. in a minute. Uh, my favorite scene in the seventy-eight. I'll start with that is um, her falling down the stairs. I like that scene. And then the new one, um, God, that hurt watching that. I don't know if you can call it a mm. scene, but my favorite shot, like I, I just said, it is him when he's like trapped in the basement and he's just still staring at him. It's nice. I closing. like that. Yeah, I like that part. Favorite in '78 is whenever Laurie looks out the window and he's just standing there. Ooh, it's chilling. Yeah, it, that was isn't one of it? The... And I love how she mirrors that in the new one. That's that thing. You look out the window and you see somebody like. Just standing in your yard or something. You're like, what, what the, the fuck? fuck? <laughs> Favorite scene in the new film is probably got to be whenever Allison and he come face to face with that music cue. If it wasn't for that, I would. Ha- it would be the moment where he puts the mask on for the first time. Mm-hmm. I loved that. I loved that a lot. Um, and I loved Laurie. Laurie coming out of the shadows like he did in the first one, except like, she stabs him. She's like, happy Halloween, Michael. And poof, fucking. I yeah. liked, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. because he's standing there in the shadows and they bring the contrast up and you see the white mask fade in. They mirrored that with Laurie. Yeah. They it's mirror a cool. lot of Michael's movements in the original with Laurie to the point that film language tells me that maybe something's not all right there. And that's why it goes back to, did she crash the bus? The mm-hmm. bus. So, anyway, Everett, your favorite scenes. My favorite scene from this one was the one where she, Karen shoots him, mm-hmm. uh, and and the well, then when they trap him, that was cool. Um, but seventy eight, this is a weird one. You're not gonna see it coming. I'm not. Uh, was the kids 
watching the thing from outer space. Yeah. Yeah. It felt so cool because I was like, obviously he's a fan and it's like unknowingly foreshadowing that mm-hmm. he's going to remake that. I hate to do this. That's cool. There was just one more thing I want to talk about in the 1978 one that I completely forgot. The scene where Loomis is going to go look after a grave and what the gravekeeper is like talking to him about. Mm-hmm. You guys remember at all what he says to him? He's like talking, about, talking about him kill, uh, killing another murder that's happened. I just feel like, man, that could be a cool plan. Like, I don't know. I wanted to hear more about that story. <laughs> you know? You, do you know what I'm talking about? No, I don't. Go back and watch it. The guy, he's, he's just like, he's, he's like he's describing, he's like, he's like, he ate family, he ate dinner with his family. He left to take, excuse himself from the table. And he went outside and he got himself, I think like an ax. A hammer. A hammer or something. And he killed his whole family. Hmm. And he, like, he doesn't Loomis get like to, cuts him off. He doesn't he, like, get to tell that story. Yeah, because Loomis just cuts like him a, off. What's wrong with this guy? Yeah. <laughs> hey, Loomis takes no shit. Yeah. That's funny. So, yeah. all right. That's Halloween, and one day I'm going to tell you about all the other Halloween movies. Mm. Yeah, you don't have to watch them, but I'll I'll tell you about them. We both will. I'll probably watch a YouTube video. Hey, just look up whole. look up uh, Dead Meat. Just look up Dead Meat. Well, they show cover up in my feed already. They'll cover it. He has a like the best film series over Halloween that covers everything you need to know. I do recommend the Rob Zombie ones. They're a little violent, but it's interesting to see. A different take it on this a, kind of idea gives a bigger backstory. The whole first thirty minutes is like Kid Michael. Hmm. It's weird. Yeah, so. so, all right. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. That's fun. This has been a Second Mob podcast. For more audio content or information on this podcast, please visit secondmob.com. Bada bing, bada boom.